0: Good morning, fellow prisoners. Welcome to the next season of BDI Podcast. Back with myself Tom Calver and my good pal Ryan Halliday. Hello, Tom. Hi Ryan. How, How are you? How's um, life? It's good. I could do the haircut though.
1: It's all good. I mine's down to my knees. Mm.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not far off actually, waiting for my waiting for my next hair appointment out of lockdown. Um which is uh, weirdly uh, or not so weirdly the first topic of conversation for episode one of season four, four. Mm. wow that's a lot of podcasts and um, if anyone's still listening thanks very much for bearing with us uh, we've got um, I think five episodes in this uh, season and then we'll go back to drawing board and take your suggestions on uh, what to cover off so um, the first one as I say is going to be on uh, coronavirus um, and how that's affected uh, job market for international doctors in the UK and, and what's been going on Episode two is going to be about the MTI scheme uh, because we have a lot of questions about that. Uh, The third will be about uh, visa uh, protocols. So, what's changed throughout COVID um, and what it looks like right now as we're recording um, at the point of the the episode. Uh, Episode four is going to be about accommodation. So, how you get your accommodation sorted out in the UK and what your options are. And then the final episode of the season. Is going to be how to write a good medical CV. So we'll run you through. You can either skip ahead to the ones you want to, or you can listen to our dulcet tones for the next, um, the next short while. All right. Well, I guess uh, the world has changed somewhat since we were last mm. in the, in the recording studio. Um, do you want to kick us off? Yeah.
1: Sure. So, the um, obviously the effects of COVID nineteen on the UK. Uh, job market for international doctors. Um, It's been fairly profound, to be honest. Um, I think there's a a whole list of reasons why um, things have changed quite dramatically. Um, I guess probably the biggest thing has been um, is the restrictions on on air travel. Um, So obviously, the, the UK kept its borders open throughout the duration um, but we certainly had a, certainly a lot of doctors that, were, that we had that were meant to be joining the NHS just couldn't get here. Uh, and that was <laughs> one of the biggest problems. Uh, there were a lot of repatriation flights flying out of certain countries, which some of the doctors were lucky to get on. Um, but again, it has been such a, a major kind of trauma throughout, throughout the world, really, in terms of uh, being able to leave countries. Um, and it's, I guess it's a two-way thing as well, isn't it? It's not just necessarily the UK restrictions as as of a few weeks ago when they, they put the quarantine um, uh, in place, but um, it's obviously relying on the port of leave and the port of entry. Um, so, uh, so again, some countries are still in that, in that situation at the moment. I know that we've got a lot of doctors uh, uh, that are stuck in places like Nigeria at the moment. Uh, a lot of airline services still aren't up to, running normal scheduled flights um so yeah uh, so that's been kind of one of the biggest things um but i I guess following on from that as well tom is that um for again with the the air travel restrictions it was still possible to get into the uk Mm. um if you were lucky to catch a repatriation flight but the biggest biggest issues obviously being the um closure of the visa
0: centers yeah. The yeah, there's kind of I guess there's two there's two main categories of doctors that have been affected by that as well. There's the ones who um maybe you're listening to this and you had a job, uh or you've got a job mm-hmm. offer that you have, you know, you've done the paperwork for you've accepted you and you'll start. And then there are those that were a bit earlier on in their journey in trying to find the right job mm-hmm. first. Um because I think I mean obviously if you had a job and you And you had a visa. Some people had vignettes that they'd been Mm -hmm. to the visa office and got their appointments done, done the biometrics, ready to fly, couldn't get a flight. And that must be, you know, I know for us was a very, very frustrating Mm. thing, especially where you've got a healthcare system that's crying out for more hands on deck and and people can't get over. But the second part of that then is people who were in the middle of doing interviews or Mm. who had handed their notice into their hospitals and would look in. And I think from the beginning of lockdown... I say lockdown, from the beginning of it becoming a, a serious issue in the UK, because I think maybe people did underestimate it, I certainly did in the, in the yeah. early days, Um, they just stopped doing interviews. International yeah. recruitment was put on a complete back burner. Yeah. It wasn't a priority. They were changing broom cupboards into ICU wards and all sorts of stuff. And well, I
1: guess the, the biggest impact was the, the move towards these COVID-19 rotors, essentially, where... Um, they were drafting in lots of doctors from uh, specialisms, where obviously surgery is a good example, where all elective surgeries were cancelled. Uh, so those doctors that were then kind of put, dispersed elsewhere in the hospital to deal with obviously the preparations for the influx of, um, of really seriously ill patients by COVID nineteen. Um, so I guess that was probably the single well, you I mean, in terms of the interviews and. Um, and you could see on NHS jobs for example there, there were no new jobs <laughs> for months and months um, um,
0: Covid support staff and yeah it was weird because we had uh, some I, I actually spoke to a doctor who was laughing because uh, they had a consultant urologist who was doing a nurse's job who mm. was asking for support from the, the junior doctors and doing yeah. some of the basic stuff and then you've got we had a psychiatrist flying mm. the week before lockdown and she got drafted straight into a junior general medicine yeah. ward rather than this sort of mm. consultant.
1: So, yeah, so a lot, I, I guess a lot, a lot of departments were in a kind of really strange position where they actually were probably the, the best staff they'd ever been in yeah. a lot of respects. And of course, with the, the, the number of new admissions to hospitals drastically fell during that period as well. So A&E departments, again, probably the quietest they've ever been mm. in, in years and years and years because, again, people not quite leaving their house in the UK in particular, not going to the pubs and not getting drunk and falling over and breaking bones. People not going out of the cars. So again, I mean, a lot of kind of serious uh, car crashes and things just weren't happening. So
0: I think I read an article mm. that said it was between, between 30 and 60% drop mm. in some cases in any admissions during the, the peak, if you want to call yeah. it. But I guess, I mean, in terms of the job market, you can mm. see that at that time everyone was ramping up to preparing for this tidal wave of COVID yeah. treatment that they just stopped doing what they were doing. It was probably mm. only... We're recording this now, you know, in the, in the first half mm. of July. It's only really been in the last four weeks that people have started to get, I guess, normal. Yeah, I guess well, that.
1: I guess it's kind of twofold with that as well, isn't it? It's um, Firstly, you've got... Um, the, the NHS has to get back to normal services so obviously a lot of the NHS trusts were told that they they have to um, start bringing back uh, and resuming services that had obviously shut down due to COVID Um, and I guess the second point really as well which is I mean it's still an issue is that people are just scared to go to hospital Um, and I think that a lot of that was down to certainly a lot of the 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 fear mongering from the, the UK media as well so um, so it's, it's quite a, and I think it, the, the NHS at that time of getting back to normal I mean I, I read the other day that I mean the NHS Trust will only be able to kind of operate at 60% capacity mm. because of the new social distancing me- measures they're going to have to put in place for things like a waiting departments also with um, I mean a lot of the, the kind of surgery side of it that operations is going to take longer obviously they're going to have to clean make sure that those Departments are all really COVID nineteen secure. I think's the word. So
0: it's crazy, isn't it? Mm. You thought that if you thought that people didn't have enough work to do before, yeah. I was chatting to a roto manager or a, a department manager mm. who is working out her waiting room for the department, and I think she said that they could have 12, 12 people waiting mm. at one time, and they had to reduce that to six because of social distancing, yeah. and then every thirty minutes or hour they had to reassess. Mm can we get another person in there now we need to make everyone wear masks yeah. get them to sit slightly closer who can we have waiting outside on um, you know, on trolleys or, mm-hmm. or outside of the hospital or whatnot and prioritising so yeah it's been pretty it's yeah pretty so
1: you can see I mean there's definitely been I mean <laughs> major major disruption caused by by everything And um, but again I kind of want the, the more positive side of it um, we've certainly seen a, a kind of strong uptake in terms of um, I mean clients calling in wanting to proceed with interviews again Mm. keen to get doctors in Um, so yeah I I think there's a a kind of longer term outlook for uh, for IMGs is is really really good because again we're going to need more doctors to deal with the inevitable backlog which I heard in some cases is going to take five years to clear Mm. just with the NHS mean, stopping for three months which is crazy
0: to give you some context as well Mm. I mean we we switched out, Once the visa centres were closed And there was no way to get in and out We, we switched our focus as a company To UK based doctors mm. for a while Because there were lots of people Who were stuck here on visit visas Or uh, tier 2 or tier 5 visas Who wanted to, to work And who were already registered with the mm. GMC But couldn't So probably for a good 6, six to 8 weeks That's mm. all we did was help Those doctors who were stuck And we had some really good success stories But now we have you know, we have changed again to focus back on our core work because it's possible to do that again. So mm. I think for, to give everyone some reassurance, we wouldn't have switched back towards the international work if we, if there wasn't a way for us to do it. Yeah. Uh, right. So, um, I mean, you were just talking about um, elective surgeries being postponed there. I mean, a five-year waiting list, I think for the specialties that have seen stable Recruitment in mm. terms of whether that's UK or or IMGs, A and E is still high. Critical care, so ICU or um, some anaesthetics with critical care, has been high in demand still. The pathologies seem not really to have been affected by.
1: Yeah, I think I think pathology in terms of um, the the looking market microbiology has obviously <laughs> gone through the roof. Mm. Um, but things again knock on effects and, and things like. Um, well diagnostics so radiology histopathology is that the the workload just isn't there at the moment because again no, nobody's seeing any patients um, but again uh, I mean that's that's from a, a kind of locum temporary perspective for consultants but I think the flip side of that will be that actually people will have more time to look at international doctors and give them the support they need particularly in the consultant led specialisms I think
0: mm. yeah we're now, we're now in, a, in a place I suppose where demand has been lower in uh, radiology, surgeries definitely, so um, gynecology, vascularity, you know gen surge, all the kind of staples because of that backlog now, I I think probably I mean we haven't seen an increase in demand in those specialties yet because I think people are still trying to work out Mm. what staff they can retain and how they're going to reschedule their surgeries and do all the rotas and stuff but I think probably in the next couple of months when that comes to a head and people have got a grip on what's left to pick up, we'll probably see an increase in mm. those kinds of specialties. So if you've contacted us recently about surgery jobs, then we probably haven't um, we probably haven't come back to you with anything. But yeah. just, just hang in there because there'll be plenty coming out, I think, in the near future.
1: Yeah, and I think, again, another thing, which is probably the first time it's ever happened, is that the, the rotations mm. were... So, some, a lot of data, some data reallocations, for example, they're, they're not being rotated, they're just staying... Um, so that's again um, filled those gaps that normally that w- would would arise through just the natural rotation of, of doctors through deaneries. so um speak, certainly speaking to some departments they're in quite a fortunate position at the moment because the doctors that they had from the last rotations are all staying with them for another 12 months but mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean like from from our perspective as tom kind of rightly said there is that um, we're switching back to our kind of business as usual now which is great we're seeing the demand increasing and yeah it's it's only got to continue for, from, from now on I think um, unless we get hit by a second wave
0: yeah I mean it was busy international recruitment was busy before this so it's certainly hmm. not this well, This won't have made it quieter <laughs> it will have yeah. made it well uh,
1: again there's the, the whole issue around the, the PLAB examinations being cancelled as well hmm. and OET and IELTS test centres so the, the kind of supply of doctors coming to the UK, there's, there's got to be a, a, a lag of those doctors that naturally would have passed the PLAB part two and taken up positions within the NHS, or those doctors that would have taken the OET or IELTS and, and, and obviously registered with the GMC. That's pretty much been on hold for three, four months. So um, th- there will be, I, I think, a real spike in demand certainly in the next, the next three to four months.
0: I think my advice on that basis as well would be, I mean we always advise people to keep an open mind yeah. but particularly in a market where definitely there's going to be a bottleneck but it might then get flooded soon yeah. where th- there might be more people applying for jobs. I mean yesterday we had an email back from a um, from a doctor who'd uh, sent us a response from a trust that he'd applied for for yeah. a surgery position I don't know if you saw this but he was told by the medical staffing team that they'd had 600 applicants wow. for, this, for their one trust grade surgery job. And that was why he hadn't received any proper feedback yet. So uh, in terms of the demand decreasing and, and increasing opportunities, yes. Maybe just temper that with, depending on the specialty, there might be a flood of, mm. of candidates in some areas. So if you're working with us or you're applying directly or working with anyone else, I would still urge you to keep an open mind about what your options are. Yeah, um, particularly that kind of junior, junior level uh, as well. 100%, mm. yeah. It's, it's not going to be it's not going to be like you're going to have 20 different jobs to pick from and no competition mm. um, it's been pretty pretty competitive recently um and i think that's a that, that kind of draws us on to the the last third of this podcast is and i know this is just a sort of brief introductory um podcast of the season and just to kind of sum up where <laughs> we are with things and that's just to talk about the the kind of positive impacts that all of this has had on the on the job market and I know that's an odd word to use because it's definitely not a positive situation but mm. for anyone who's aspiring still to come to the UK and I mean I guess it's going to be there'll be a lot of, I've spoken to a lot of doctors recently who had job offers who have decided they don't want to come now because they don't want to leave their parents yeah. or they don't want to leave their families and,
1: Well I can't leave the jobs because obviously yeah. the, the COVID-19 um, situation in, in their own countries where they can't be released by the, the hospitals
0: now as well so mm. I think that that aspect of the limited supply I know we just talked about a huge surge in applicants for junior jobs but I think if we're honest that's always been the case mm. for the for the kind of ST1 CT1 levels and up I mean I, it now is now is as good a time as any and actually our message to a lot of clients has been well and they've agreed with it is that if you get back in, in front of international doctors now then you'll be ahead of the everyone else when mm. they start to to come around to it so it's better to get it done quickly and get early and get planned ahead for, for yeah. rotations and gaps and-,
1: and I think that's it I think that the, those trusts that are kind of forward thinking will I mean, do really really well in the current climate in terms of the staffing because um, although the NHS is kind of under one umbrella as a, a large organisation it is very uh, disjointed when it comes to um, you know in strategy mm. so we know that some trusts are, are really pushing ahead Managing to fill a lot of gaps at the moment that we've struggled to in the past, whereas some NHS trusts are still on this COVID nineteen emergency water, um and won't even issue COSs, which is crazy.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, it does seem to be regional. So some people who are are some people are completely back to normal. Some people haven't had any yeah. spike yet, and some people. I mean, they built a, one. They built for anyone who's not aware. They built a number of nightingale hospitals around the UK, which are these. Using like arenas or um, mm. expo centers, at a huge four or five hundred bed extra capacity for the spillover from coronavirus. And I was chatting to someone up in the north of England uh, who's a HR director, and he said that they built one in um, Sunderland for that region mm. and then they never even used it. Yeah. In well, fact, I, in fact it's they it's didn't the even in finish Stol- it. They uh, yeah. Done
1: same it. in Glasgow and same in Bristol, I think, as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if they've completely mothballed them or they're they going to keep them semi-operational for a, a yeah. second wave. But yeah, uh, but it's uh, yeah. So it's a really interesting times. Um,
0: what's your what's your take-home message, Ryan Halday?
1: I think it's uh, uh, that things w- are going back to normal. will go back to normal. I think demand will always be there currently, and. And, and if anything in certain specialisms the, the, the demand's going to increase as you rightly mentioned about ICU microbiology things like that um, acute medicine wards as well mm. um, again a always got to be in demand in the UK because uh, the, the, the fear for the NHS I guess is that I mean usually this is the, the quieter time of the year um, you're going to have issues certainly coming up for winter when you have the traditional flu season and it's how do you differentiate between someone who's got flu and COVID nineteen because the symptoms are remarkably similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so, on top of the, the usual preparation that trusts would have to do to to deal with the inevitable uh, during increase in demand during that period, they've now got to factor in COVID nineteen as well. So, I think it's um, yeah, it's going to be a huge headache for a lot of NHS trusts. But again, from the perspective of staffing. Um, they're going to need to make sure that they're prepared so I think they need to well they need to act now really do if they they want to get doctors in place definitely
0: Um, so positive I think so yeah definitely
1: I think uh, as we see a return to normality with easing the lockdown um, people having more confidence to go into hospitals again things like oncology for example I mean it's been quite heartbreaking to, to read about the number of cancer patients that haven't been receiving treatment, or the or not going into hospitals, so that I mean, not diagnosing it early enough. So again, I think we're going to see a huge knock-on effect with that further down the line as well.
0: Well, um, look, pubs are open, which is uh, they good, are good news for well for people who go to pubs. Yeah, but it does mean that um, there are more people hurting themselves, and any increases and job uptake, and mm. as you rightly said, when we get back to normality, people get out and. They're on the streets and <laughs> yeah. get any more accidents. And that obviously has a, a knock-on effect to the NHS. So, mm. yeah, I mean, I think as far as this podcast episode goes, the signs are positive. There's no reason now why anyone couldn't be applying for jobs in the UK or, or working with us to, mm. to secure employment in the UK. Certainly, our demand is probably back to 80, 90% of it, what it was before. Mm. COVID, so it kinda of comes down to your own situation really. If you're in uh, if you're in India, I know they're worried about their peak coming yeah. right now and um I know I've got a couple of doctors who are working in the Middle East in uh, Oman, Qatar, um Saudi UAE where some of them have, are having quite a lot of stress at the moment. Some mm. are expecting it to get better and some are expecting it to get worse. So I guess just balance up your own personal situation with mm. with um, what's most convenient because uh the UK's I guess we're we're back. We're back in, back in business. <laughs> um, cool. All right. Well, I've got I've got nothing, nothing more. Unless you no,
1: I think that's a pretty good summary of where we've been, where we're at currently. And hopefully our predictions are correct.
0: Yeah. OK. All alive. All well. See you on the next episode. Thanks so much. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Bye bye.